Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. I pray that that is the anthem of every heart in this room. It is a welcoming of the Holy Spirit to speak truth, to ignite our hearts with passionate love for Jesus. We welcome you. I pray that you would give us this complete joy that John speaks of. What a what an unbelievable statement, and God, I pray that that would resound across the room, that each of us might be able to say that my joy is complete as I'm standing steadfast and faithful in the place that God has called me, and it doesn't matter what it looks like to the outside world, my joy is complete in Him. He satisfies everything that I need. He gives me all of my heart's desire. He is good and perfect, and He is enough, and I will serve Him till I die, that I might serve Him for eternity. I pray that we are strengthened in our faithfulness. I pray that this would be a, a band of warriors that would not bend or compromise the call on their life, the call to righteousness and holiness, that they would not bend, that they would die before they would bend. And God, I pray that through this group, as we really cover the earth over the summer, that your kingdom would come that we would see great fruit born out of this season of teaching together and journey together, that we would see great fruit occur in this summertime, whether here in Nacogdoches, in Wales, in Minnesota, in Missouri, all over the earth. We just ask for your kingdom to come and fruit to be born by your spirit. We love you, Jesus, and ask that you would speak to us. Amen. Amen. All right. He must increase, but I must decrease. Most of the time, we hear that phrase, and it's a statement of humility, right? It's a statement that we, uh, it, it becomes really the anthem of our heart, of our, of our ministry. We go, okay, if, if I'm going to do this right, then he must increase, and I must decrease. It's this desire for, the, uh, for our flesh to really uh, subside and for the Spirit of God to rule and reign in us. And we make that statement that Jesus would increase and I would decrease, right? You've heard that before. Maybe you've said that before. Maybe you've journaled that before. Maybe you've prayed it before. And let me just tell you, that is a right and good heart. That is absolutely a necessary perspective for the believer to understand that the increase of God and the decrease of me is a good thing. And that if ministry is ever going to be effective in my life, if I'm ever going to uh, really make a difference, then that has to occur. I must realize the impossibility in and of myself of living the Christian life, and I must give everything over to Him. I must give myself fully to the Holy Spirit of God, and He must increase. Amen? And I must decrease. So that's good. And I'm certainly not saying that that's wrong. However, within the context of this passage, John's actually saying it for a very different reason. John's not saying it because it's the anthem of his life. John's saying this because of the season that John knows is coming. Because John knows something. John knows what God called him to do. God, uh, John knows what the prophets have said for a long time. God, uh, John Keep, sorry, John knows 
uh, back in the Old Testament, John knows that all things have been leading up to this pivotal point in history. And God, uh, <laughs> somebody else want to do this? <laughs> Lord, I need speech. And John knows that the presence of Jesus on the earth means a shift for all of human history. John knows that he was simply a voice preparing the way in the wilderness and that the time had come for Jesus. And so John's statement is clear. It's not a statement of ministry. It's a statement of fact. It's a statement of the season that God had appointed, a season of preparing for the Messiah that had lasted uh, hundreds of thousands of years, all of it pointing to the moment that this man, this Jesus, would walk on the planet and all of righteousness would be held in his hands and all the earth would be judged by the standard that he would give and all sin would be dealt with by this man and that he would rise from the dead and he would save us all and bring us back to the Father. And it is in that light that John said, he must increase. It is his time now. The time for preparing the way in the wilderness, the time for declaring the day of Jesus' arrival on the earth is over. And that's why John says, I must decrease. He says, this ministry is gone. There is no longer necessity for me to stand and say, he's coming because he's here. Can you imagine that? The, the tension that exists in that, in that statement of he must Increase and I must decrease because John knows that the arrival of the Messiah has come and I no longer need to say he's coming. He's here and all of history is held in the 33 years that this man will live and die and be raised. It's all held right here. He must increase. It's his time. If he doesn't increase, all hope is lost. Yeah, so that's where the statement comes from. It's okay to use it how we use it, but this is where it comes from. And it's because John understood times and seasons in the kingdom that the fire in his ministry did not go out with the arrival of Jesus. It's why we read the heart of John the Baptist in all of the rest of these verses leading up to that statement that he says, of course, he's, of course people are going to him. It's right and it's good. It's his time. John knew this Season was over for him, and then it was time for increase of Jesus. So I want you to read the rest of this passage. Let's read it in its full context. So I'm going to start in 25 just to give us some momentum. Let's get running down the hill before we get there, right? Verse 25. Now a discussion arose uh, between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you across the Jordan to whom you bore witness, look, he is baptizing and all are going to him. And John answered, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. John knew where his assignment came from. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ. John knew that he was important. I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. You see in John's language his understanding of seasons. You see in his language the understanding of times in the kingdom. He says, I was sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hear, hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. So he's making this comparison of, of a Hebrew wedding, and I've taught this. I'm not going to teach it again. But the best man, the friend of the bridegroom, had a tremendous role to play in a wedding. 
the announcement of the bridegroom actually came not from the bridegroom, but from the best man. Paul references this. Jesus references this in, the, uh, in his Passover Seder that he has with his disciples. That it's this shout from the best man, from the friend of the bridegroom that announces the arrival of the bridegroom. And with that shout, there is great joy because the bride knows that her, her bridegroom has arrived and the party now begins. And so this is why John can say that my joy is made complete because I'm the friend of the bridegroom, right? I'm the one that gets to announce his arrival and my joy is complete because I was never the one that, was, that the excitement was about. I just get to announce him. So my joy is complete in simply announcing the arrival of Jesus. So the one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. He who comes from above is above all. He begins to speak of Jesus. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. He who comes from heaven is above all. He bears witness to what he has seen and heard, yet no one receives his testimony. Whoever receives his testimony sets his seal to this, that God is true. For he whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. So do you see what he puts on Jesus? He honors him first. He says, he is above all. My part in this is simply to declare the one who is above all. But he is above all, and he honors Jesus. And then he begins to tell us why he he must decrease and Jesus must increase. Did you hear the words? He says, this is the one who will give the Spirit without measure. This promise was of God in, in, in the book of Ezekiel, that God would give his Spirit. It's in the book of Joel. They knew that the Spirit of God was coming. And John points to him and says, I must decrease because this is the one that will give the Spirit without measure. This is the one whom the Father loves and has given all things into his hand. And listen to verse 36. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life but the wrath of God remains on him. Do you know the ramifications for John if John would have tried to in any way keep the spotlight on him longer than it belonged? John's confession of he must increase and I must decrease was necessary because John knew that the the wrath of God was held in what this man would do. God knew if I don't... I did it again. John knew... I don't know why that's in me today. John knew that if he didn't very quickly point to Jesus, then the importance and the weight of the ministry that Jesus had would be taken away from. That John would subtract from what Jesus would do. And you know the, the, the accountability in that moment. So John said, this is the one where the weight of the judgment of God rests. I'm not getting in the way. I'm not going to stand in the way. This is the one on whom all of the judgment of God rests, and you must believe in him. His testimony is of God, and if you believe on him, if you chase and follow this Jesus, then you'll have life. He says, but whoever does not believe him, the wrath of God will remain on him. So John knew the weight 
of the moment. So why does that matter? Why does that, does that now have any implication for us, that statement? He must increase and I must decrease. Now that we've kind of said, well, it was for the season of preparing the way for Jesus, Jesus has come, do we even need that phrase anymore? Yeah, I think we do. Not only for the reason I first said, I think it's a good statement to lead our lives by that Jesus would constantly be on the increase in our lives, but what it, this statement gives us the reasoning behind the fire in John the Baptist's ministry. And it was because John the Baptist knew the times and seasons of God that he was so ferocious in his ministry. And I wonder if we clued into the season that we're in now, post-resurrection, if we clued into that season and knew that it is a season if the fire and the intensity of our ministry would burn greater. Because if we don't know what we're in and we don't know what's coming, then we're going to have no idea what God has given us to steward. And God has put us in a tremendous season to steward his kingdom on the earth because another season is coming where Jesus will return. We speak very little about this except for in kind of whimsical discussion, but he is coming. Surely he's not a man that he would lie. The truth of who he was was attested by his resurrection from the dead. And he said, I will come again. And he handed us this season of ministry because he is coming again. And if we don't have that in our mind, the same way that John had the coming of Jesus the first time in our mind, then the fire in our ministry will burn dim compared to what it could burn to. I want to read you a few things that Jesus said. So here's what happens. The season that John the Baptist was preparing for was a 33-year-long season, right? He was preparing the way of Jesus. And some would even say, you know, you could argue Jesus actually only ministered for three years. So John the Baptist prepared the way for three years of a season of ministry. In those three years, in those three years, Jesus was the standard of righteousness. He displayed what it looked like to walk according to the Spirit of God. He was tempted in all things, yet without sin. Jesus fulfilled the law in those three years. Jesus also was crucified. He became what was prophesied of him. He became the Lamb of God. He was the Lamb of God, the sacrificial Lamb by which death passes us over. And his blood, it was not a cheap thing. His blood is our redemption. And it's in the covering of his blood. This happened in three years. It's in the covering of his blood that we are saved. That the wrath of God moves from us because it was poured out on Jesus in that moment on the cross when he took all of what you were, when he received sin and was separated from his father. And then three days later, he rose from the grave putting an end to the rule and reign of death on the earth and establishing himself as the one by which all things will be judged. Come on. That was three years. <laughs> and that's what John was preparing for. So go to Mark chapter 1. Let's read a couple of things. Whew, we got to hurry. Mark chapter 1. 
Listen to what John the Baptist says here. In verse 14, now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. Listen to, listen to what Jesus says. So John has been arrested. These are in red. This is Jesus speaking. After John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is what? You see that. He knew times and seasons. The time is fulfilled. And the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe. You see, Jesus knew the same thing that John knew. All of what has been prepared for has come. The time is here. The kingdom is at hand. Because of this, repent and believe. The book of Acts chapter 17, Paul says that there is no longer any excuse that the standard of righteousness has come. Jesus has come, the standard has been set, the time has been fulfilled. Are you, do you realize what that means for us? Do you realize the weight of those words that Jesus says, the time is fulfilled? There's no more waiting. I am here, the Messiah has arrived. All that you have hoped for, all that God has promised is done and fulfilled in me. But then Jesus makes some very interesting words, and it's this season that he launches us into. And I'm afraid, again, that we haven't really captured the heart of where we are. So go to Matthew 28. You've heard this before. I know you've heard this before. But if you don't hear it in the context of seasons, does everybody understand what I mean by that? What is a season? It's a period of time, right? You with me? Because I'm saying that, and I'm wondering if you're understanding what I'm speaking of. The kingdom has seasons. Right? The kingdom has seasons. It's periods of time. We're not quite sure how long they are. We just can judge them by how long we experience them because time is a little different in the kingdom than it is on the earth. But there's seasons. There was a season of preparing the way. There's a season of fulfillment with Jesus. There will be a season of Jesus ruling and reigning on the earth that the Bible tells us is a thousand years. There will be a season called eternity. That sounds awesome. But there's also a season that you and I are in right now. And it's this season that Jesus paved the way for. Matthew 28, listen to what he says. This is known as the Great Commission. He's commissioning his disciples into a season. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. Jesus has already been raised from the dead. They saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted, and Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He was faithful to do what God had asked him to do. He had come, lived perfect, died for that which he did not do, and had been raised. Because of that, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you to the end of the age. Let's make this very, 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 very simple. What Jesus said is, tag, you're it. Three years, Jesus paved the way to turn to us and say, now you do what I did. He makes some strange statements to his disciples. He says, greater things 
what you do than I ever did. So he calls him to be holy as he is holy, calls him to this standard of righteousness, looks at him square in the eye after being resurrected and says, all authority, think about this, all authority has been given to me, now you go. You think that statement had any backing from the Lord? You think that statement that Jesus made to his disciples had any, had any backing from his father? Absolutely. All authority had been given to him by his father for his obedience. Jesus had fulfilled that which what he had been called to do. Jesus takes that authority and then he says, now in under this authority, you go to all over the earth and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You go preach this gospel. You go teach them about all that I have taught you. Apparently, Jesus believed that we were able to somehow do this. Jesus turned to 11 men who were shocked and terrified and said, now all that I have done has been fulfilled and you go finish this thing. You and I live in the wake of that commandment. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. And it's not a season that will last forever, beloved. There's urgency in this season. It will not tarry forever. Look at Acts chapter 1. Come on, we've got to get urgent about the things that were, Jesus was urgent about. I don't mean urgent as in fearful. I mean urgent as in serious. When I say urgent, I don't mean panic. I mean a sober focus on that which is really important. In Acts chapter 1, verse 4 through 11, and while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Do you see that? I didn't just pull that out, right? Jesus says, there are times and seasons that are fixed by the Father. Don't worry about exactly what those are, just know what you're in. Don't worry about when those begin and when those end. Just know what you're in. It is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go. Jesus basically says to them, there will be a restoration of the kingdom. You don't worry about when it happens. Get busy doing what I asked you to do. I'm giving you all that you need to do it. It's kind of this crazy moment, right? I'm about to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. I'm about to give you everything you need. And he says, in order to what? Be my witnesses. He was giving the gift that they needed to do what he had asked him to do for the appointed time. And as they're standing there in disbelief, The Lord sends messengers that say, wake up, the season begins right now. 
He's coming again. They launched into ministry under the understanding that he's coming again. The urgency of the spread of the early church was under the understanding he's coming again. Beloved, do you know that he's coming again? Do you know that this is just a season? Just a season. And I don't know how long this season is. And you don't know how long this season is. It's not for us to worry about the times appointed by the Father. But they are fixed in his heart. And there is a day when this season will be over and Jesus will come again. Do you know the urgency of the season that we're in to be his witnesses over all the earth? The fire that came from John the Baptist's ministry came because he knew this season will end for me preparing the way. Come on, guys. Come on. The passion in his ministry came because he knew the season would be over and Jesus would arrive. And I'm wondering, is our passion and our fire gone because we've lost sight that he's coming again? Have you forgotten, beloved, that he is coming again in the same way that he rose? He will come again. And this season will be over. This season of us carrying on the ministry of Jesus will end. And I wonder if it will end with us faithful. I don't put that on you for guilt, but we must sober up. Will it end with you faithful? Revelation 20. Let's lock into this. It's a beautiful passage. Come on. Come on, guys. This is, we can be sent out like this, can you? Smile. Can I just see? There we go. Okay. Sometimes I worry about you. Oh, this is good. Revelation 20. Let's just read. Just listen. And then I saw an angel coming down from heaven holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain. And he seized the dragon, amen, the ancient serpent who is the devil and Satan and bound him for a thousand years and threw him into the pit and shut it and sealed it over him so that he might not deceive the nations any longer, amen, until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be released for a little while. It's a different sermon, different day. I don't have time. (laughs) Then I saw thrones, and seated on them were those to whom the authority to judge was committed. Also I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and for the word of God. Amen. And those who had not worshipped the beast or its image and had not received its mark on their forehead or their hands. They came to life, and they reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years was ended. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he who shares in the first resurrection. Over such, the second death has no power. But they will be the priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with him for a thousand years. When the thousand years are are ended, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. Their numbers is like the sand of the sea. This is getting epic. And they marched up over the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. But fire came down from heaven and consumed them. And the devil who had deceived them 
was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Beloved, this is not a comic book. This isn't a story we tell you to be to scare you. This is a real season that is coming. He's coming again. He's coming to rule. He's coming to reign. He's coming to ultimately cast final judgment on the enemy. He's coming. My question to you is, have you received what Jesus gave you? Number one, have you received the ministry that Jesus turned and gave you? Have you said yes to the season that you're in? It's vital that we agree with his purposes. It's vital that you look into the eyes of Jesus, and as he tells you, right, to go and make, look in, come on, come on, don't. As he tells you to go and make disciples of all nations, have you said, yes, I will? Because I know that you're coming again. And then second, have you received the power that you need to do it? Have you given yourself to the Holy Spirit? Do you allow the Holy Spirit to have all of you? And if so, then let's get serious about what we're in. Let's ask the fire, the ministry of John the Baptist, to burn in us that we might know that another season is coming and that we might get serious about what we're in now. You with me? I know it may sound like a strange and heavy message for you to go, now go have a great summer, right? But, but are you with me? I pray that your summer would be filled with intentionality. I pray that your summer would have a whole new slant to it, knowing. Knowing. And it's not, it's not again, not putting this out there to scare you, but the days of this ministry are numbered. The days of this season are fixed and numbered in the kingdom. Are we urgently moving toward that day? That's all I'm saying. Can you receive that? All right, now everybody smile again. God, I pray that you would give us urgency. You actually said to us this very, basically this very strange statement, now that it's time for us to increase. You left the earth. You handed this thing off to us. Not helpless, you gave us your Holy Spirit. But you said it's time for us to cover the earth and bring your glory. So I pray that we would do that. I pray that we would do that with urgency, knowing that this season is coming to an end, but also knowing that we cannot do it absent your Holy Spirit, that it is your Holy Spirit that gives us power to be witnesses. It's your Holy Spirit that will speak truth. It is your Holy Spirit that will glorify Jesus all over the earth. And our responsibility is to yield to the Holy Spirit fully and completely. And I pray that we would do that. And I pray that with urgency, we would preach the gospel. I pray that we would, with urgency, we would commit ourselves to holiness and righteousness. Because this season is coming to an end. I pray blessing over this summer. In Jesus' name, amen.